spirituality is actually very popular these days. Um, every other Hollywood star is a spiritual person. Um, and actually spirituality is very big in East Oxford, in British society generally, but it seems to me um, in this little corner of British society in particular. There are a few hard-nosed materialists out there who say there's nothing beyond what we can investigate scientifically, but uh, frankly I would say the majority of people in East Oxford believe that there is a spiritual dimension to life. And uh, a pretty good majority as well would believe that spiritual dimension is important to life. Not surprising that churches think um, uh, much more in terms of this idea of spirituality than perhaps uh, at one time they used to. It's just part of the, 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 the warp and woof of the society we live in at the moment. So, it's actually, I think, very, very appropriate that we spend um, the weeks, most of the weeks up to Christmas now, looking at what at least 1 Corinthians chapters 12 to uh, 14 say about the work of the Holy Spirit about Christian spirituality. Graham Bynan, remember, for the, for the weekend away, was talking about the work of the Holy Spirit and we, we decided, as a leadership, that it would be really good to continue that theme on through the autumn to really consolidate some of the things that we feel the Lord is teaching us. And as I said uh, as well earlier, it also happens to fit with the fact that we are committed to coming back to 1 Corinthians um, and uh, uh, by God's grace, I pray that we will get 1 Corinthians finished before Jesus comes again. Um, so, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, introduces us to exactly that topic, doesn't it? Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. It's not absolutely clear whether... Um, he means about spiritual gifts or about spiritual people. He literally says about spirituals, brothers. Um, and uh, commentators are about equally divided, whether he means that he's going to talk specifically about spiritual gifts, which he clearly will do, um, if you read on, or whether actually he wants to talk about spiritual people. In other words, what makes a person truly spiritual? Perhaps he left it ambiguous on purpose. To begin, though, looking at these chapters, we're just going to look at the first three verses of 1 Corinthians 12 and we're going to look at, at two statements that the Apostle Paul makes very clearly to introduce his whole topic. And they are two vital statements that we must get rooted very, very much in our hearts if we are to be people who understand what true spirituality is all about. First thing he says is that not all spiritualities are good. 
He thinks that's obvious. Do you see that? Verse 2, you know that when you were pagan, somehow you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Now, a lot of people would disagree with the Apostle Paul that we know that sometimes people are influenced and led astray by spiritualities, by spiritual influences. Or at least they would have done until September the 11th, 2001. Seems to me that was a real wake-up call to us. Not every spiritual influence is a good spiritual influence. A group of young men killed thousands of people in New York and were convinced that it was the command of God. And since that day, I think nobody could be in any doubt that sometimes people are frankly led astray by spiritual influences. Not all spiritualities are good. There's an enormous variety of them, he says, um, um, and they tend to work in, in, in mysterious ways. He uses that phrase, somehow or other, to describe a sort of variety of mysterious ways in which people do get led. We see that in our world, don't we? All sorts of different spiritualities there are out there. They influence people, they lead people. But he says, they lead people astray. You were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Idols that claimed to speak, but didn't. So we must not be naive as Christians about this word spirituality. Not all spiritualities are good. You know that, says the Apostle. If you just think about it for a while. But then his application is very telling. What he's going to say is not all spiritualities are good within the church. That, that, that was the, the issue that he's dealing with, you see, in this church in Corinth. All sorts of spiritual manifestations, all sorts of things going on. Very exciting, lots of them. Very beguiling. Very impressive. But Christians need to have their feet on the ground. Christians need to be sensible. They need to be careful within the church, as well as in their dealings with the wider world. Because not every spiritual influence leads us in the right direction. It can lead us astray. For me, one of the vital marks of Christian maturity is that people acknowledge that. 
and absorb that. I, 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 uh, uh, when I was growing up as a young Christian, I had lots of friends, I still have lots of friends, who, who, who uh, um, got very exciting about, uh, excited about uh, all sorts of manifestations and ma- many of them are good. But I would say to them, as, as, a, as a test of whether they had thought about this in a mature way, I'd say to them, have you read um, Matthew chapter 7, verses 22 and 23. There Jesus says, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. People nominally amongst the people of God. Lord, Lord, they say. They do things in the name of Jesus. And people, crucially, who have um, um, miraculous gifts of insight, they prophesy in the name of Jesus. They have miraculous abilities. They drive out demons. They perform many other miracles in the name of Jesus. And it is absolutely shocking what Jesus says. He doesn't say that he'll say to them on the last day, well, I once knew you and you were doing fine, but you've since drifted away. He says, I never knew you. Even when you were doing those amazing things, in my name, I never knew you. Remember, there was a wake-up call to us about the dangers then of uncritically assessing all sorts of spiritual influences, even influences nominally within the church. This is one. Absolutely shocking that Jesus could say to people who did those things, some at least, I never knew you. We've seen in this country waves of excitement about uh, miracles and uh, all sorts of other manifestations and for me, I, I, I think it's great. I think in the last... Uh, 40 years or so there has been um, a great upsurge in, in a sense uh, in uh, God's church in this country. A sense of the God of miracles. A sense of the God who intervenes. The God who dynamically works in people's lives and changes lives and uh, leads people. It's, it's, it's just been one of the great things in my lifetime um, uh, to, to, to see that and to see a church that, that in, in some respects was slumbering perhaps before, really, really having a vital appreciation of the living God. But we must not be naive. Simply cannot afford to do that. Not all spiritualities, even within the visible church, 
are good. And then the second thing that the Apostle says, by way of introduction, and we'll continue uh, looking at the work of the Spirit uh, next week. Second thing he says is true spirituality, true Christian spirituality, is primarily confessional. That, uh, let me explain uh, that. First of all, let's, let's read what he says. Um, when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. Verse 3, Therefore, I tell you, no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. In other words, he's saying that the mark of whether God's Spirit is working in a person is what they say, what they believe, what they confess about Jesus. Now, let, 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 let me amplify and, and explain clearly some of the things that he's not saying. Okay? Uh, he is not saying true spirituality is only confessional. You could read it like that. Um, uh, but it does not fit with the rest of Scripture. The rest of Scripture says that actually true spirituality, true Christian spirituality, must be marked by uh, true evidence of changed lives. So just to confine ourselves um, within uh, 1 Corinthians, this letter to demonstrate to you that he has that in mind even as he writes uh, 1 Corinthians 12. Remember back in 1 Corinthians 5, flick back to it if you, uh, um, if you don't. There's a, um, a, a, a deeply immoral, publicly immoral brother, who's a, a, a man who claims that he's a Christian and yet and yet he's uh, sunk deep into uh, sexual immorality. And the Apostle Paul says clearly, he, he, he must be put out of the church. He cannot be welcomed as a, as a, as a, as a true, authentic believer. No, no matter what he might say with his lips, he's not behaving uh, appropriately. Or uh, just the very next chapter in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul is, uh, is going to go on to say that actually love is absolutely essential, vital amongst believers if they are to call themselves uh, real Christians. If I speak with the tongues of men but of angels, uh, of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I say Jesus is Lord, but I have not love, it's empty ringing. So, 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 so make no mistake about it, Paul cannot be saying in verse 2, uh, verse 3 here, that the true mark of the Spirit of God is only, Excuse me, only confessional. He's uh, 
um, he's very clear elsewhere that there need to be other marks of true faith. But all of those other marks in a Christian, they simply authenticate someone's faith. They do not actually make that person a Christian on their own. So someone may lead a very sexually moral life. That doesn't make them a Christian. That doesn't prove that the Spirit of God is working in their life in the way that uh, uh, he's talking about. So someone may actually, in certain respects, be a very loving person towards other people. But that doesn't on its own make them a believer. What makes them an authentic believer is what they believe about Jesus. So yes, there are authenticating marks that we should validly look for amongst us, in ourselves, as we deal with other people that demonstrate that our faith is real. But what makes a Christian a Christian, what marks someone out as someone who has been uh, uh, born again by the Holy Spirit, is their faith. True spirituality, true Christian spirituality, a true work of the Holy Spirit is primarily confessional. It primarily changes what someone believes. Not only, but primarily. Second mistake that we could easily make from from verse 3, and I want to clarify that that Paul is not saying this. He's not saying that it's only confessional. Just say Jesus is Lord and that's, that's that, no matter what your life looks like. But he's actually not, when we uh, uh, examine what he says uh, elsewhere more closely, he cannot be saying that just the simple, basic confession, Jesus is Lord, is automatically enough. you could be forgiven for believing that's exactly what he says in verse 3. But we we have to look at the balance of what he says elsewhere to come to to a a valid conclusion about what he's trying to communicate. And when you look uh, uh, elsewhere, you you find that the New Testament everywhere um, uh, requires a little bit more information to be lodged there in our hearts Um, if we are to call it true Christian faith just at the moment just sticking within 1 Corinthians just glance forward at at chapter 15 at the beginning he says brothers I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise you have believed in vain. What I received I passed on to you as of first importance 
that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures and um, that he appeared to, to lots of people. Now, I want you to notice, this is the Gospel as the Apostle uh, sees it and it is, it is a clear Gospel about Jesus and it includes that he died for our sins in this case. That this Jesus actually paid the penalty for our sins. That he was buried and that he was raised again. He's going to go on to major on the raised again. But the gospel includes that he died for our sins. And then note um, verse 2 of 1 Corinthians 15. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise... You believed in vain. And uh, uh, again and again you find the Apostle um, uh, warning throughout the New Testament and other New Testament writers as well warning that there are dangerous errors that we can fall into while still perhaps saying Jesus is Lord as a little slogan. For instance, Paul, when he's writing to the Galatians, says, um, I'm astonished that you're so, so quickly turning to a different gospel. And this is still a gospel that has Jesus at its centre. It has to be said that you're turning to a different gospel which is really no gospel at all. And in that case, when he explains himself in the letter, it becomes clear that the, that the key issue there is that our faith, our life in Christ, our hope is, is entirely a gift of God. He gave his son Jesus to die on the cross for you. You couldn't do anything to get yourself forgiven at all. He did it while we were still sinners, as he, as he, as he puts it in another place. He gave his Holy Spirit to us as a free gift and made us alive in Christ. And all that we contribute is open hands. Or as the New Testament puts it, faith that is simply turning to this God and this Jesus and saying please forgive me please make me a new person any other gospel says the apostle a, 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 a gospel that says no you can you can get yourself right with God you can you can you, you, you can use certain rules and laws and so on to, to, to make yourself into a good per person. Any other gospel is not the true gospel. So, when the Apostle, back here in 1 Corinthians 12, uses, uh, um, says that uh, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. 
we have to conclude that this is, this is, his, this is shorthand. What he is saying, though, is vitally important. Okay? He's not saying it's only confessional, it's primarily uh, confessional, but there, there should be authenticating marks. But the root is, what do we believe? He's not saying that a simple, um, naive confession, Jesus is Lord, is just enough on its own and we should just be satisfied with that. But he is saying... So whatever miracles, whatever gifts someone has, whatever amazing things are associated with someone, they mean nothing if they are not accompanied by a true, authentic faith in Jesus. He is warning these Corinthians, don't be dazzled don't, don't, don't be in awe of those things. All sorts of mysterious, miraculous things are a, a characteristic of this world beyond the church. They're not that big a deal. And he is saying, and this is, we must be really clear on, the mark of a true Christian is what they think about Jesus. There are all kinds of secondary issues upon which we may disagree here in this place. I am frankly delighted that maybe there are people who vote quite differently at the next general election who will have quite um, uh, different patterns of life as, a, 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 as families within certain ranges might, uh, um, might hold all sorts of, uh, uh, of different beliefs but what holds us together is what we think about Jesus. The church has wrestled with how to express that over two millennia now. And uh, at the Reformation 500 years ago the, uh, the, the great Reformation thinkers clarified that and su- summarised that to, to get a b- little bit more clarity about what the whole of the New Testament says about what marks out a, new, a true church that's teaching the truth, what marks out a true, uh, what, what marks out true faith. They came up with a whole... Uh, a, a range of things that they that sometimes get summarised as the solas, which is um, Latin for only, that are worth considering. They said, for instance, 
the church is defined, Christian faith is designed, defined by sola scriptura, uh, only the Bible, only scripture has a right to define what a Christian is and a Christian isn't. And all that I've said this morning is, uh, comes not, not from my private convictions but from an effort to try to understand the balance of what the Bible says. Immediately we abandon that, of course. We just go for what we happen to feel fancy. And for a few it's a narrow fundamentalism and for many others it's a sort of warm mush of, well, nice people must be. Sort of people we'll, we'll embrace we must discipline ourselves to say, no, the Bible has a right to define what a Christian is. And uh, on the basis of that, they uh, use the phrase solus Christus, only Jesus, to summarise what I've just been saying. Only Jesus can save us. Jesus is is, is the hallmark. True understanding of Jesus is the hallmark of what it means to be a church. And then, and, and then uh, um, they use the word sola gratia, only grace, to say that actually it is, is Jesus' free gift to us, God's free gift to us of Jesus. Nothing that we add to it. It's only Jesus in that sense as well. Only Jesus can save you. And Jesus offers you that salvation as a free gift. And then they summarise another dimension dimension of it by using the phrase sola fide, only faith. That is, only trusting Jesus. The only response we can have um, to all of this is to trust Jesus. Uh, Locally here, we are committed to being as broad and as narrow as the New Testament defines Christianity. We must be both of those things. We can be tolerant of all kinds of secondary beliefs. You know, if you believe that fairies live at the bottom of your garden, you are still absolutely welcome here. I I will not, uh, if you want to become a a church member, I will not uh, ask you to recant on that that belief. I may talk to you about it on uh, another occasion and ask you how carefully you've examined that proposition, but it is not a big issue. Yeah? It does not define what it means to be part of this church. You actually may believe some unconventional things about Jesus. You may be convinced that Jesus will come tomorrow. Absolutely dead cert. Okay? You are still welcome here uh, fully as a member of God's church if you believe other um, uh, things about Jesus. And tomorrow, if he hasn't come, I might give you a ring and say perhaps you need to revise that. There really is 
room for diversity. And I, 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 I'm, I'm determined that there should be that room for diversity. We consciously do not um, uh, restrict membership in the church on the basis of your precise views on baptism. We are clear that from the front we teach believers' baptism. Uh, the, the, the eldership thinks that is the, is the best way of understanding uh, the New Testament. But this church allows liberty to people on that issue. Because it is not central to what it means to be a Christian. I'm absolutely delighted that there are different styles, different styles of worship amongst us. I, I, you know, I, I, I tend to belong to the slightly more restrained um, uh, singing variety who holds his hands behind his back, you know. But I, I love to see hands raised. I, we try to have, we can't have a, a full mix, but we try to have a reasonable mix of, uh, uh, of music in the church. And it won't, not everything will be to everyone's taste. But you see, that's what it means to be people who are trying to be as broad as God's church is. I hope that there will be liberty for a variety of gifts to be exercised in the church. Some of them that may be really quite disconcerting to some members here. We're going to be talking about tongues later. Some people are freaked out by tongues. Well, if that tongues speaker loves the real Jesus, you welcome them. If you are that tongues speaker and you are dealing with someone else who loves the real Jesus who's freaked out, you love them. But we must also be clear about the narrowness of what it means to be a church of Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean we don't define ourselves by being a group of nice people. Sadly, with, with the amount of history that has passed and the number of uh, errors dangerous errors that have crept into God's church. We cannot define ourselves by just a simple little Jesus is Lord and that'll do. From the beginning, I hope you've seen in the New Testament, there were errors that were serious. There were gospels that were no gospel at all. There were statements of faith as in 1 Corinthians 15 that if you don't believe this, you believed in vain, says the Apostle Paul. And so sometimes we do have to make painful decisions. With churches that may have good people in them. But the church as a body teaches some dangerous things about Jesus. 
Sometimes we might have to say to people who come in amongst us, you know, we love you, you're a, you're, you're a good person, we can see that there is a desire there to know the true Jesus. But you need to be clear about this before you could really say, I'm a Christian. Not on those secondary issues, but on ones that the New Testament sets out as primary. We must be clear or we will have the living God to face. And so what about you personally? I'm delighted that there's variety here. I'd love it if there was more, frankly. But do you fit in to that category of person who's put their faith in the real Jesus? Not some imaginary picture of the Jesus I'd like to have. The real Jesus. Have you accepted that the Bible actually has the right to tell you who he is? Have you accepted that actually he's unique? He's the only son of God who died on the cross for your sins. Have you accepted that actually... You can't do anything to make yourself right with this God except receive a gift by faith. If you're not clear about those things yet, then let me say, get clear. Pray about it. Talk to someone. Go to a small group like our Christianity Explored group. Spirituality is a popular thing. And lots of people have a spirituality that has Jesus as part of it. We need to make sure that the spirituality, which is my spirituality, is actually the marked out as being a work of the Holy Spirit of God.